So are the Bankies on the way back to the big time. Clyde Bank are flying high in the West of Scotland League with 12 points from 12 and a cup win. It's been 18 years since we last saw them in the top four leagues. But with the new pyramid system now in place, could we see them back amongst the big boys once again? Gordon Moffat is the man who steered them to the Premier Division Summit and he joins us this week. He's only been in charge at Home Park for 14 months, but after bringing in virtually a whole new team during lockdown, he's seen them gel and become the early pace setters. We'll talk to him about that job and just how big the bankies can be when the supporters return. After looking at the season so far, we'll rewind and reflect on Gordon's career, first as a player, then as a young boss at Rossville. And with Paul away, we're doing it with a special guest co-host. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along for another 60 minutes or so looking at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, as I say, there's no Paul this week. His new main side produced an impressive 2-0 win at Yoka, and he's nowhere to be seen. But I'm delighted to say Kilburnie late side assistant boss, former top ref and one-time athletic star Des Roach has agreed to step into his shoes. Well, after that build-up, Des, I was going to ask if you're feeling the pressure, but uh, pressure's never bothered you before, is it? I think being a free transfer for Paul is probably bigger pressure than I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but no, listen, I'm, I'm delighted to be on. Really looking forward to being involved tonight. Also speaking with Gordon, Claybank off to a, a, a great start. Um, so yeah, yeah, really looking forward to it. We, we had you as a guest way back on, I think it was episode 14 back in June. Uh, back then we were talking about your ambitions at Kilburnie, but I guess a lot has changed. Yeah, it's, it's changed beyond any any recognition or any foresight that anybody could have. Uh, unfortunately, us as a club, um, they decided that they weren't going to participate this year. Um, the the committee were, they were very upfront with us. They spoke at all times, kept us informed, and for them, they pulled the fans and local community. Um, they're massive stakeholders in the club, and for a small village, it is. It's a it's a focal point for a Saturday, and they made it clear that with uh, no fans. They didn't want the football to continue, um, which we, 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 we completely support. Um, but the club in Martin, they, they've given us huge support, uh, even from our arrival. Anything that we had for us to revision or plan for, for how we want to structure the club and how we want to go forward, they backed us at every every stage. And certainly the, the financial backing and what they provided to, to get football playing, they went with every, every government guidelines, all the protocols that had to be done. The club paid for it without any income coming in. So we couldn't say that the committee were anything other than fantastic with us. Um, regarding the team, um, the response has been really, really good. We understand these boys want to play football and we would never stand in the way. We've never, we've never knocked anybody back. Uh, saying, look, can we just get released? Can we can we go out anywhere? So we've, um, we've signed 12 for next year and right. three or four have went back out so for us that's a, a indicative that they've enjoyed what we've done and how we've, how we've been operating on it um, so we've managed to get those 12 players out on loan they're feeding back into us through, through WhatsApp groups telling us their games are on a Saturday how many minutes they're playing what position they're playing etc and we're still in contact so I think it's very important that during this awful time that we're, we're going through and not playing football uh, which is what we want to do. These guys still know that, yeah, they're out and loan, but they're only players and we're showing that they're valued by us. 
Um, and it's still good to hear what they're saying as well. It's always a, it's always a, it's always a nice thing and get a wee bit, of, wee bit of crack in them. But yeah, very, very difficult. Not the way that we envisage things happening. Mm. Uh, certainly going in the two of us at this moment in time. But do you know what? We'll be back. Hopefully bigger. Hopefully stronger and in a better platform to go forward as well. That's the that's the hope for us anyway. I'm sure we'll talk uh, some more about that during the show. Uh, please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. And if you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Send us any post-match audio interviews you have and we'll play them on the show. We've actually got one from the East Juniors region to come later. Uh, our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Hi, my name is Jamie Nesbitt, manager of Thornwood United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Clyde Bank manager Gordon Moffat is our guest this week. Thanks for being with us, Gordon. Oh, thanks for asking me on. Appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club, then give you the answer at the end of the show. Des has got the clues. Right, there was no pressure, Gordon. I got a text this morning about twenty past nine and work saying, "Do you do you fancy doing it?" I was like, I'm not enough to do. So I thought, every right, confidence, Des, every confidence, every confidence. Okay, so right, first one. They were founded in 1883, and they have a they had a fan buyout in 2005. Their highest league position was third in 1922 behind the Old Firm Giants. They have an all-seater stadium of 8,867. And ex-Scotland manager Craig Levine was a boyhood fan. There you go. Any ideas, Gordon? Hmm. No, not to commit to anybody the now, no. I'm not too sure of that. I think I've, I've got one idea, but I, I'm not confident about that last clue. Yeah, We'll, uh, we'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Hi, I'm Ross Wilson, manager of Mary Hill, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Clyde Bank boss Gordon Moffat is our guest this week. Uh, first of all, Gordon, thanks for coming on. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Thanks for coming on when your other main team is in one of their biggest games of the season so far. I mean, I, I hadn't realised when I asked you, man, you were playing tonight at the same time. Yeah, I kind of realised that uh, once we'd set the day and the time, I thought I'd a bit of a, a boo-boo there, but um, uh, one nil down already, so it's maybe, it's maybe best I don't see it. <laughs> got it on here in the background, but I'm, I'm, I'm diverting my eyes with what I've seen in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> um, moving back onto the I mean, the team you're managing, uh, it's been some start of the season, as, as we said. Did, did you have any inkling that something was brewing like this uh, or of the, of the boys kind of su- surprised you? Um, no, I mean, I think I think we were we were sort of quietly confident with the, the squad we were assembling through, I was going to say the summer, but it was actually the spring, you know, when the season finished early. Obviously, you know, most managers started to get to work. Um, so you probably had a wee bit extra time to do that. Um, so we had a fair idea, you know, what, you know, type of player we want and, and some specific individuals and we, we sort of went after those targets and and as, as we started to see a squad coming together, you know, 
like I say, I was I was quietly confident that we had some quality players, um, maybe one or two that were a wee bit under the radar, if you like, maybe some of the bigger clubs. And um, so I, I mean, I felt personally we'd put a good squad together, but I could see, you know, once we once we get out of the sort of zone training and stuff, and we actually started to play some football and stuff, you could see that, you know, there was already there was a, there was a good spirit there for a start. Um, but definitely the you know the standard of training and and all that you know it was it was looking pretty good so I was keen to I was keen to get to the friendlies um, and, and just see where we were at um, and yeah it was it was kind of similar it's just kind of progressed from there don't get me wrong some of the some of the stuff in the friendlies you know maybe we were a wee bit off the pace a couple of times teams we played but that was useful you know I think we played Cowan quite early on they were maybe maybe a wee week or two ahead of us and. It wasn't a great day for us, but that was probably a good point for us just to see where we were at. Um, from then on, we we kicked on a wee bit, and again, you're still in the back of your mind going, "Well, it's friendly games." Um, so when we hit the competitive action, obviously proofs in the pudding, and so far the guys have been excellent. But I've, I've been keen to say, you know, when I'm speaking to our sort of local press and that, that I still I still think we've got a lot of work to go. You know, I'm just sitting thinking. You know, with a finished article or anything like it, and you know the guys know that as well. We've we've got a lot of things we still talk about and what to work on, but you know, got to give credit to players we made a terrific start. For for those who don't know, you've had wins over Largs, Thistle, Hulford, United, Bonneton, Thistle, and Kirk and Tillich, Rob Roy, uh, beat Beath, three 0 in the soccer shop challenge cup on the weekend. There, I think it, it was it ten ten players you brought in. Um, yeah, is that right? Ten all in, yeah. When you factor in two, two of those were promoted from the development squad um, up into the first team squad, and one, one on loan. So yeah, I think it was ten in total. Um, might actually be eleven now with additional Lee Gallagher actually that we brought in quite recently. So it's a fair turnover of players, and it's not, you know, in my my short sort of coaching and management career, it's not something that I would normally sort of promote. I would normally look at maybe four, five, six, but. Um, you know, obviously I was new to the team and the club and, you know, so well known that club means a lot to me and I really wanted to put my stamp on it. And, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm here and if I'm, if it's not going to go my way, it's going to at least be done my way, if that makes sense. You know, I'm going yeah. to bring in the sort of players and, and, and mould that style that I want to do and do it my way. So that's what we've tried to do. And, you know, it might take another sort of, another summer to build on that again, but certainly we're, for me, we're on the, we're on the right track. Did you have like a, a squad size that you knew that you were you were happy to work with? Were you were you obviously you're saying you brought in ten players and promoted a couple? Do you think that you need sort of like eighteen, nineteen, or, or more than that? Obviously, because managing a larger squad's more difficult, giving guys playing time and and aligned to that with the amount of numbers you bring in, the profile of the squad regarding obviously age and athleticism and position etc. Was that something that you were putting a lot of thought into? Yeah, I mean, I think I think on the numbers, um, I like to run me maybe nineteen twenty. Yeah. Um, but I think I think a big change that you know is maybe not it's maybe a bit maybe under radar a wee bit in terms of maybe support and stuff is obviously the you know the, the subs change of how many you can actually name you know so having having the option of having seven there um, is obviously that's a big change. So maybe meant you you run one or two. One or two higher than what you would normally. So, so I always had maybe nineteen, twenty, maybe twenty-one in my mind. But 
again that changed when COVID happened and you know we saw how that was going to look when we're starting and obviously you know like you Des obviously your club decided not to play when we made the decision to play I had to say well it's likely we could be missing two three four at short notice here for what for whatever reason even though if it's just um you know if it's just precautionary isolations or stuff and that's been the case so We've ended up running a wee bit higher, and that was, you know, that was why I brought in Lee Gallagher uh, when he was available. Because I spoke to a club and I says we probably need to run a wee bit higher just to cover ourselves here if we are going to play. Um, and obviously that was made easier with the, you know, the, the change, the temporary change we made to the wage structure and stuff as well. Um, on your question about yeah, the, the profile player, yeah, that's really important, you know, to me and my backroom team when we spoke about that at length. Um, terms of the attributes, the age, so getting that right mix of experience. But generally, I like to go with quite a, a young team. Um, and by young, you know, I'm still even sort of mid twenties. I would I would class as young these days. Um, but that's sprinkling experience. So guys like Ross McPherson coming in, who's who's been there and done it at this level. Um, that was important. But also, you know, the right type of right type of boys, right type of characters. You know, that are going to going in mould and sort of like the team spirit's important to me you know the, the culture of the of the dressing room albeit we're not in a dressing room at the minute so getting all of that right and balanced was aye they were all key things yeah I think um, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly there we were the we were the exact same obviously prior to to, to, to what happened and what transpired that we were looking around the sort of the 18-19 I think the fact that you could have the extra seven subs you know that you can pretty much get every player involved on the Saturday so they know they'll get a chance of playing um, because yeah. you know you'll never get the whole squad available somebody will be ill somebody will be working somebody will be suspended and through, potentially through COVID so that was something that, that, that we were very uh, very aware of and likewise profile I think we worked it out including Mark McBride and I'm sure you won't mind me saying it who's an experienced player our average squad age was 24 and a half, but they all had experience through senior football, etc. So we were going down the down the very much same lines as yourself, thinking let's build a young, vibrant team who have got experience of playing football and who can excel at this level. And let's be honest, let's hope we can promote them and they can go on further and they yeah. get a valuable experience of being, being with us at this level. And if they come back, then absolutely fantastic, but you're there to promote them. Well, I think that's the way I look at it. Des, you know, I was I was sort of thinking similar mould to what I had at Rossville. You know, get a good mix, but you know, you're, you a good nucleus of guys, maybe early to mid twenties, as you say, that you can maybe really improve and and they kick on again. You know, it's you don't want to lose players, but it's nice to see if you can send players, you know, right up the levels. You know, it happened obviously at Clydebank, um, a, a really well known one with Darian McKinnon. You know, jumping all the way up to. The yeah. sort of top levels, you know, things like that are, you know, that's rewarding as a coach, you know, as much as you don't want to be losing your players, but it is rewarding. You mentioned using young players and you seem to have got a, a good kind of relationship with, with Hamilton Ackies at the minute. Uh, obviously gave Cal Monroe a chance on loan last season and, and he's gone on to play in the first team at Ackies this season. You got Liam Harris this year? Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's just continued on. I think um, obviously Kyle was there so Kieran had brought uh, Kyle in before I came to the club, obviously, and then when I took the job, Kyle was there, so it was it was getting to know Kyle and you know his strengths and that, and you could quickly see what a talent he was. Um, and he he didn't always play. It must be said, you know, he didn't always play. Um, towards the end of the season, he played a lot more minutes than maybe you know my first few months. 
Um, but you know, I, I was careful. You know, I had the responsibility to Amonakis when you've got one of the young players, so didn't want to chuck him in. He was still playing, you know, development games for them. So we were we were really careful not to, you know, he'd maybe come on a Tuesday to us, and he'd maybe done quite a hard session on Tuesday, so we'd manage him properly, communicate with Amonakis, and maybe give him the odd night off on a Tuesday. He'd be back in the Thursday, play the Saturday, and he done he done great for me. Um, and I think just because we took that care and attention, you know, it's kept that relationship. And uh, Hamilton actually came to us and said, you know, we've we've got another one here for you. Um, young Liam, similar mould in terms of, you know, his attitude and application. Uh, young man, 17, 18 year old, but you'd see straight away his touches and his confidence on the ball. And he's he's got a good future in the game as well, definitely. I think what you're saying there for yourself and Hamilton Ackies, I think that's an avenue that, the clubs in the US and Scotland really, really need to do explore. Um, we've got a relationship with St Mirren uh, through my own involvement prior as well, that they're quite happy to loan players to us as well, knowing that they'll be looked after, they'll be treated the right way, they'll be trained the right way, um, and we can feed back into them. So I think that's a that's a market that that's probably not been utilised enough over maybe the past few years. Don't know for whatever reason not, but I think obviously somebody like yourself who's a younger manager in the game, um, progressive attitudes and, and positive attitude and, and looking after the well-being of young people, I think that's an area that we can we, we can try to look and utilise a heck of a lot more. Yeah, and I, I, th- I think it's um, you know it's good it's good for them as well. You know, I think Kyle Kyle came in and you know maybe it takes takes him a wee bit to get up to speed, but then he's quickly he's quickly adapted to because it is it's quite frantic. You know, you know yourself it's. Um, Coming from maybe playing in a twenties development game to coming and playing in a, you know, a Premier League match at our level, it's a big, it's a big shift, you know, and it's quite frantic. You're not going to get five and six touches on the ball. And good thing Kyle came in, you know, he had the physique of a man, you know, and he, he had the physicality to deal with. And then he, he straight away he started he started to get to the tempo and that. And I think obviously Hamilton has seen the benefit of that. You know, the fact that he's been promoted in the first team and has started some games, you know. That speaks volumes for him, you know. That's all down to Kyle and um, his application. But I think obviously Hamilton have seen that we've we've played a small part in that. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you feel? I mean, we we talked about the start. You've got or you've had. Everybody knows, you know, Clyde Bank is synonymous with Scottish football, as as I said in the intro. And did do you feel as a? Obviously, you know the club as well from having played there. But is it a sleeping giant again, all over again? Can, is is there the potential here that? If you can get a role on that, that you can obviously once things settle down and promotions and relegations are all back, can can you do you want to take them into the, the up into the, the top divisions and and go that way? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean that's that's obviously the goal. I'd, I'd done an interview last week actually, and I'd said that you know I was asked, I think I was asked like my ambition as a as a coach as a manager, the absolute holy grail would be to take Clyde Bank into the league. You know that's. In my mind, what I'm here to do, you know, and that's it's not going to happen overnight. I get that we've got stuff off the pitch we need to do, and we've got stuff you know we need to keep improving on the pitch. But you know, I want to be here a long time. You know, it's uh, as I said to you, it's a I mean, had a great um, affinity with the fans when I played here, and that that's that's my goal. You know, as some might say it's quite an ambitious goal, but that is the goal, and I think it in my mind it's realistic. It's you know it might take a wee bit of time, but we get the infrastructure right around the ground and and start building on that. You know you're two promotions away from doing that. Um, so for me it's I uh, it's 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 what we've got to be aiming for. 
And what I'll say is, um, certainly since probably the last season ended, as we've been building the squad, um, and fans are almost fans are almost an outside looking in just now on this, and it's it's frustrating for them. You know, it's frustrating for me. You know that they have to do that. But even when it's sort of remote and virtual for them, you can sort of we can feel the buzz, you know, around the club just now. And I'm saying to the, you know, I'm saying to the players, like, can you imagine if we were allowed them in just now, you know, going down the large first game of the season, they'd have been there in their numbers, be them Saturday in a cup tie, win the extra time, the place would have been rocking, you know, and it's so the boys are all excited about that, you know, we've got new guys at the club who've never played in front of them, you know, and. It's. Um, I'm trying to explain to them like a big game here. Wait, wait till we see it. You know, so everybody's excited about that, and I uh, just we can't wait to have them back. Is that a, 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 a strategic plan that the the board have put in place? Is that a, is that where they want to go and they're willing to to back you stage by stage and incremental as you go forward? Is is Clybank's ambition to get back into the the top four leagues within Scottish football? I think. I think probably in all honesty, uh, since since the the board was formed, you know, when Clyde Banks first season a junior, uh, and, and the juniors, that was probably the aim, you know, that that was the aim to get themselves back. And obviously, it's it's taken a long, long time to get us where we are now into the pyramid. But you know, it, it was probably a big deal for a lot of clubs. But you know, can't emphasise enough how big a step that was when we moved into the west of Scotland for us as a club because of that history and because what the fans have been through, particularly you know, particularly the guys on the board that have put in so much work behind the scenes that again, everybody's got the hard working group of people behind the scenes, but it's all be, it's all been geared towards us. So yeah, absolutely. I mean that's that is the plan. And let's say we're not we're not daft enough to think it's just gonna happen. It's gonna take even more hard work now. But the fact that we are at least now in a pyramid system where we can see we can see the direction we're heading, that is such a big thing. Yeah, you're in, a posi- you're in a position that allows you to get there now. So, no, I think it's to be applauded. I think it has. Um, and the, as you say, the, the hard work by the committee, people who are behind the behind the scenes, nobody knows the amount of dedication and time that these guys actually put in. And certainly yourself and, and, and me and, and the guys at our place, we couldn't operate without that work being done behind us. Uh, it's, it's, it is, you're right. I can't say enough about, you know, the people that volunteer their time, you know, again, it's similar for probably every club at our level, and, you know, you can't speak highly enough for them, you know, um, you know, Kasky, a kit man, for example, he's he's commercial director for the club, but he's also a kit man, and he's there, you know, he's there, he, he cannot do enough for us, he's there every single training night without fail, every match day, um, the boys don't want for anything, you know, he knows all the boys, the teens, their drinks, their half-time snacks, you know, we work on squad numbers. He knows what size of shirts certain people need, and do they need a change of shirt? Do they have cut socks? It's like the detail, but that that's his that's his passion. Do you know what I mean? And it's and that's just one example. It's 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 amazing for me to see that. And again, when I'm signing boys in the summer, I'm telling them that I'm telling them that sort of thing because it's important that they know, you know, what this club means to people. We're the exact same. We've we've purposely anytime we've signed a player we've brought the player to the ground we've brought them in shown them the, the facilities shown them what's there and the committee from what they've said to us saying that for, for whatever reason I don't know it's not, not my place to say that other managers hadn't done that before and we've brought them down and we've welcomed their parents in and saying look this is what we'll get 
they'll not get a lot of money, but they'll be looked after. They'll be they'll be treated the right way. And I think yeah. by then showing them what the what, what the committee and what the club are doing, and likewise, there's your kits on, you'll be looked after. I I, I just think that's tremendous. Yeah, and it's, that's what that's exactly what we've tried to do. You know, we we're put on a similar boat that we, you know, the budget's not huge, but we try and all the all the professionalism aspect, we try and really nail that. You know, we we made the reinvestment in you know things like the player data, um, you know things like that. The, you know, players just come and they feel they feel a million dollars. You know, they've got all their kit, it's all numbered. They've got the player data stuff. It's they just they feel the part. You know, and it, you know I, I know that. Some people will, oh, what does that matter? But it does matter. You know, I've, I've been a player, I've felt it. And, you know, having all that right, you know, when you come, even when you come to training, let alone a match day, everyone's just set there. And again, we can't do that now because you've got to come to, you've got to turn up changed, which is unfortunate. But in normal times, you know, they come and it's all laid out and it's just, it just, it just adds that wee bit of professionalism to the club. Des's side, Kilburnie, you're obviously not participating this season other sides decided not to participate was there ever any did you come come close to deciding not to participate talk us through how how Clyde Bank as a club came to the point that they were gonna take part yeah yeah we did I to answer that I mean we, we seriously had to consider not not playing I, I think like every club and it, I think probably the first thing it's important to say is that there's been a lot of sort of when clubs made the decision, there was a lot of sort of finger pointing and then, oh, why are you doing that and why are you do you know. For me, clubs have to make their own decisions, you know, and they can only make an honest decision and, you know, you, you've just got to stand by that and, and you know, back it. Um, I think for me, like, like most clubs, we, we really, you know, we, we wrestled with it a wee bit and we weighed up, you know, the pros and cons. And, and obviously during a global pandemic, first and foremost, it's, it's thinking about health and safety aspects and how will we manage that can we manage that at the ground? And, you know, so we went into the detail of all that to make sure, you know, that we could, you know, the, the protocols that were being put in place and the, the safety aspects of the ground, can we deliver that? You know, and that was probably the most important thing, to make sure that we could do that and the safety of the boys and, you know, obviously staff and the volunteers was was up front. But then after that, it came down to, you know, it was obviously, there was a financial aspect of the club saying, well, you can... To me, you know, you can do the maths. We've got no income, pretty much. So, the standard wage budget, albeit as I've said, our wage budget isn't huge, but you can easily work out. We can sort of run on that just now. So, it was really a straight decision of can we do something in the interim? Um, and really, I, you know, I, it was for me to then go to the boys and say, look, this is this is where we're at. It's going to be very, very, very <laughs> minimal you know, expense to maybe help you out with some fuel now and again. And that, that was really all we could offer because Grace that runs our club, she is meticulous and looks after the health of the club. And I think that was probably a concern maybe for fans of, oh, we're playing, are we going to put ourselves in trouble? Grace was all over that and can't speak highly enough of uh, Grace and the board, how they went about it. They came up with a plan and basically put it to me, a financial plan to say, this is what we can do, and we can we know that if we don't bring in another penny, we can do this during the season. And it was, you know, it's it's pennies really to to us and and across across the sort of squad and the management. But that was where we were at, and that was the option for the boys. So really, I'd went to them to say, this is the deal, guys, and what do you want to do? And it was unanimous. We want to play, you know. So for me, that made it very easy um, to go back to the board and. 
myself and my backroom team, we've took the exact same deal that the boys have done across the board. I've said, look, we're in it together. If we're going to play, we're doing it together. Every single person at the club that was a paid employee gets the same, and that's what we're going to do. And I put that back to Grace, and then that really made it easy for the board because they'd already done their due diligence on the health and safety side and, and those aspects it, it made it a bit easier for them to say right we're good to go yeah i mean you kind of answered my next question i was going to say i mean if the squad had come back and said no then perhaps you wouldn't have played so it's down to the players partly quite a bit actually down to the players that you're playing this season because they they agreed to to take reduced terms yeah it, it was and, and again I'm, I'm sure um most clubs would have had to have had that chat with the players and it wasn't it wasn't a nice chat to have you know I've got to be honest I've I've had um, hundreds of team meetings in my time as a coach and a manager but it's probably one of the worst chats I've had to have and say these guys have obviously signed contracts and you're basically saying you know this is what it is now now it, it, it's a temporary thing so guys understand that you know when we get fans back in the door we'll revert back and, and we go again but you know it's a temporary thing but I was having to put that to them and say this is where we're at and it was it was so pleasing the response you know from them that look we're here we're together we want to play um, and we're willing to do it and, and I would have had no problems at all you know if, if you know we've got a couple of self-employed guys if they turned around and said look Gaffer I, I don't know if I can do this that would have been fine I, I, and I said that to the guys that wouldn't have been looked on poorly or anything I'd have been happy to keep them on our books and you know you know we'll pick them back up next season but they, they all wanted to do it and you know we, so I've just uh, I, I, so I emphasise every week you know every week probably at the end of our Thursday session to look after themselves make sensible decisions outside football you know because we have been you need to remember as well we've been given this sort of professional uh, tag as well to allow us to continue so we've got a responsibility for me you know when we're away from training we're only there three times a week We've got a responsibility to be sensible and be following the rules out with football so that we're not bringing something to the football. And we, and we emphasise that and the, and the guys have been great. Honestly, can't speak highly enough of them. You uh, you obviously played 80-odd times for Clyde Bank yourself. You you were part of the side that won promotion to the, the Super Premier Division, scored in the Central League Cup win against Schultz in 2012. How much, how much does having this position as manager Clyde Bank now mean to you and, and we've already talked about your ambitions but you know having the opportunity to do it with this particular club now well th- like I say I, well, I touched on it earlier and I've, I have spoke about it in a, a few interviews so people will be sick of me hearing that but um, it, it does it, it really does mean a lot to me and I think when I, when I got the chance it, if I'm honest it probably came slightly earlier than I expected in my you know managerial career um, you know I'd only been a manager for for two seasons, um, and it and it came about. So I was, uh, it was just something I, I couldn't turn down. And you know, at the time, I'd done so much with Osfield, and it was a horrible situation to have to go to Dom, who again, similar to Grace, just loves his club so much and has done so much for them over the years. It was a horrible scenario to have to go to him and say like, I need to go and do this. But I did, I did have to go and do it. You know, it means a lot to me, and it's not just about. It's not just about taking the job and saying oh, I'm the manager of Clyde Bank. I want to achieve stuff for for you know the people around the club. Let's say again the volunteers, the board, and the support because I had such a good connection with them when I played there. So I am not I'm not here to t- 
said water. You know, I mean, I've, I've said that to my backroom team. I've said it to players on countless occasions. We need to go and get ourselves up challenging, winning some trophies again, because, you know, I know what I heart back to when I played, but the Clydebank teams I played in, we did, we did win a few trophies, won a promotion. We had two top four finishes in the Premier League. We were a right good side. And to me, it's my job to get us back doing that at least and then and then building that and get us through the leagues. So, so who are the biggest uh, challenges to you? I mean, we'll, we'll we'll just have a quick look at what's been happening in the in the four uh, the four divisions. I mean, everybody thought going into the season, Darville would be the ones to catch ultimately with them with the, the the sort of the, the the budget they've used, the players they brought in, but they haven't had it all their own way, have they? I mean, but who, who's going to be there? Who's going to be in the mix? Do you think who's who are the who are the ones to to look at? I think there's from the teams that have decided to play, there's there's so many so many good sides really. I mean every every week I look at fixtures and I'm like, it's quite a hard game. Oh, that's a hard <laughs> game. Oh, that's a hard game as well. You know, genuinely, you know, it's like it's they're all tough games. But obviously, Darvel, um, you know, they've they've went and got some some real quality and you know, like their signings every week during the summer, going wow, great signing, unbelievable. Don't know how they've done that. <laughs> so yeah, you're looking at them going some real quality, some real experience at, at really higher levels. So of course they're they're going to be there or thereabouts. Um, but I mean, Kawinan, Kawinan. Let's for, no forget Kawinan were winning the league yeah. last year. When it, you know, albeit Talbot had a lot of games to play, but Kawinan were winning the league and with a team to beat um, when we finished. So um, they're going to be up there as well. But then you've, <laughs> you 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 look around, you've you've still got. You know, Darren Henderson's hurdle for team is always a tough game. Always got quality in his team. Beath, um, I mean, there's several quality teams. And for me, I, you know, again, I'm saying to the guys, we're four games in. So for me, we, you know, we've done nothing yet. We've, we've had a good start. Um, for me, we've built a good squad. We're starting to gel. But as I've said, we've got a lot of improvement to make. Um, so it's, it's very early days. Yeah, for certainly for me, I've been obviously taking a, a a watching view this year, but it doesn't mean we're taking our eye off what's happening. Um, I think just quite like we said there, Darwin moved a wee bit of a sticky start, but it looks as if they're starting to get at their stride now. They're starting to starting to come through, and again, like you're saying, they've got a lot of new players, quality players, looking to jail together. So um, I think the quality will always always shine through. Um, Cowanin, they, they probably Strainer would have imagined he would have expected a better start than that. Um, obviously lost to Socky and then Arnie obviously last week down at Largs beating them two one at Co-winning. Um That was a wee bit of a, a strange rock, but again, Co-winning they were winning the league last year. They've got to be they've they've got to be up challenging. Dan at, um, at Hurlford again you came out Irvin Meadow as well. I mean they're they're coming through. I know they obviously last week against beating Bonneton, but these yeah. teams. As Gordon said, there we're only four games in, and there's still a lot of big, big teams to play. Big teams. Um, the ones I would be a wee bit worried for just now. I'd be a bit worried for Cumbernauld. They're losing a, they're losing a lot of goals, unfortunately for Kieran. Um, that's maybe, that's maybe also cutting them adrift. But I think the league, with obviously some big teams missing in it, it's still an interesting season, and uh, there's still going to be a lot of, a lot of pride to be played for. Uh, going forward, and Clybank are certainly right in that mix. They're going to, they're going to be there. Obviously, you're down at Darvel on a fortnight, aren't you? You're away down there. Yeah, I um, we can Saturday, so I uh, that'll be. Uh, I know everybody will obviously looking in on that one. It'll be 
it'll be a good wee test for us to see sort of where we're at as well. So looking forward to it. It's a quick quick something that also we, we played four pre season games. Were were you happy with your performances in the pre season games? And I know for us maybe at the start we thought mm, we were a wee bit sticky. But then when we, we see the performances of other teams and how they've started the season, I thought that our pre-seasons on reflection actually were, were pretty encouraging. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because of the amount of time the boys had off. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of similar. You know, we, we had a couple of, there was a couple of performances that, you know, weren't great. I touched on the winning one. You know, we played yeah. them quite early on. I think it was game two. Um, and I, I just felt they were a wee bit ahead of us um, just in terms of sharpness and match ready and we never really got going that friendly And but that as I said that was useful because it was useful for me to see against a team that I want to be competing with just where we were at at that stage and I said that to the boys after it and the boys probably thought at the time oh, he's trying to just play that down a wee bit we're terrible today but I was genuinely meaning that that you know that's a good marker just now just to see where we're at because you know my hope would be next time we play them it's, it's going to be a lot better um, and I'm sure it will. So after that, we I I made a few tweaks to training. You know, I probably felt we were a wee bit off the sharpness, so we sharpened training up a wee bit, um, and that helped us for the remaining friendlies. Things probably gradually got better from there on in, leading into the first game away to lags in the league. So I, you're right. You know, pre-season goes like that, and that's that's what I use it for to help me see where we're at against different different uh, levels of opposition. I know, absolutely. See, I think we were probably a, wee bit more, a bit harsher on myself and my own judgment and, and, and think, oh, should we have been doing better? But in reflection, I think uh, for bringing a, I mean, we all, we all inherited what, three or four players um, and to build, a, to build a squad and we still had guys in training with us and we were mixed. On reflection, I think I think we've got to be got to be actually really happy where, where we were and hopefully that's a good base to build on going forward for next year for us. And it's hard as well when you're, you know, in these games, particularly because we'd, because we'd done so long in training, you know, it was it was stretched out because of the COVID zones and all that. And so you're trying to get guys in every friendly a good amount of game time. So you're making seven changes at half time and stuff, different system for the second 45. It's very, it's very hard to get any sort of continuity going during those games as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Clubs are obviously still able to sign players and. You've got brother Glenn, Glenn Ken this Saturday. They've re-signed Dale Simeon. Uh, I think he was their club's top scorer for the past two seasons. 46 goals, 59 appearances. Yeah. You go straight into their squad, so he'll, he'll, he'll give you something to think about, extra, something different to think about. Yeah. Um, good, good player. Uh, we do. We've um, came up against him a number of times um, in the last season and before that uh, with Rossfield, sort of coming through the leagues as well. Uh, he's he's a, he's a great wee player, intelligent, picks up space very well. Um, so he'll be he'll be a great addition for them definitely. Uh, just a quick run through the three conferences. You got Bells Bells Hill are going great guns in uh, in Conference A at the minute. Uh, what have you thought of, of their season so far? And uh, who else can be up there challenging Renfrew? They've got uh, they've got nine points from from their five games. Yeah, well, Bell, Bells Hill have obviously started well. Um, I think uh, they, because my one of my good mates, assistant at Cumbernauld, so they were playing another week in the cup, and uh, they gave them, gave them a tough game. So they've they've obviously started well, but I ran through, ran through are going to be um, up there as well. You'd imagine. 
Clarkey always builds good teams, good teams, a good surface as well, good environment to go and play in. So they can they can always use that to attract to attract players. And uh, Neilston, a bit like uh, a bit like yourselves, uh, Gordon. They've got they've got maximum points. They've got 15 from from five games in uh, in Conference B. You can see can see them going well. They're uh, they're they're hosting Vale of Clyde this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, Neilston made a good start again. Um, one of my former teammates, Chris Cameron's a, a co-manager there, he's a good guy, and knows the game, so that doesn't really surprise me. And and again, it's a, it's a team I know quite well from from my early manager days coming through the leagues. And always tough to play to play them on their own patch, and you know they've they've benefited obviously, you know, bringing in a couple of loans. You know, teams not playing. You know, Adam Ford for Pollock's obviously tremendous signing uh, to help them out. So. Aye, uh, it doesn't really surprise me that they're doing so well. Chris has done well up there. He's done really well. Him and obviously Disco's down there as well, when extra free players and, and Derek Carson. Um, yeah. I think the one is probably not under the radar up there, but Steph Stirling, the ex Stirling player, Morton in the middle of the park. I mean, he can still pull the strings for them. He's a. He's yeah. a we played him in pre season, and it was a it was a really really good match. Uh, so it's no surprising for me to see Neilston up there challenging for it. And in Conference C, uh, they've lost a lot of teams and I think they've lost a lot of games to the weather so far. But uh, you've got Kilsyth uh, top on nine points from three games. Drumchapel and Lanark have both got nine, but they've both played five games. That's going to be a quite a tight division, that one, you feel, with uh, with such a small number of teams in there? Yeah, and I some good teams in there as well. So it could be very tight up at the top there. Um, again, at Kilsyth, I know, I know a few of the lads playing there and a Again, Gary Kelly, former teammate of mine, Andy's assistant, Stuart Livingston. So, again, knowing them, it's, it's again no huge surprise that they're, they're doing quite well, know the game well. So they've got some good players. Um, but aye, that that one could be quite tasty towards the end of the season, like you say, with with only nine teams, it could be a bit of a, a scrap to see who wins it. Now you'd expect Drumchapel to come on a wee bit stronger as well as the as the season progresses. Aye, I mean they. Drumchapel have always come into the mix, and again, you you know you look at some of the names, you know I've looked at some of the highlights, but some good players as well who've some experienced players who sort of been around as well. My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. We start in the east of Scotland first of all. Musselburgh have signed local midfielder Lloyd Fiddler after he left Dunbar United. As one leaves Dunbar, so another arrives as the Seasiders have secured winger Andy Jones from Trenent. Staying in the East, local businessman Colin McDonald has this week taken over as chairman of Peebles Rovers. While up in the Highlands, long-serving Inverurie Locos goalie Andy Reid has decided to hang up his gloves. After two spells spanning 12 years, which saw him make 369 appearances and keep 88 clean sheets, he retired from the game this week. In the West, Irvin Meadow have farmed Mark Wardrobe out on loan to neighbours Irvin Victoria. Beath have re-signed record goalscorer Kenny McLean, while Ashfield have brought in 17-year-old goalie Ben Quaite. Socky have signed commanding centre-half Terry Hewitt for a second spell, while Rossvale have added striker Rhys Maguire on loan from Queen's Park. Back over in the East, this time in the juniors, Tayport have signed teenage midfielder Louis Joyce from Dundee on a season-long loan. Staying with Tayport, they're one of four teams with maximum points from their two games this season in the East Region Premiership North Division. 
On Saturday, they beat Brecon Victoria 7-0 with Dale Robertson bagging four. But Robertson didn't get his manager's Man of the Match award. Here's boss Chris McPherson. Feeling pretty good, obviously, because the lads deserved that today. Uh, the way they played, uh, they played to the brief, to the game plan, uh, played in the wide areas, get the ball in the box, be rigid, the two centre-halves and the two centre-midfielders. I think, yeah, pretty happy with that, and I'm pleased that they've got, we probably could have scored more, to be honest. So, delighted with that. There's always areas to improve, isn't there, you know, but these boys have come a long way in a short period of time, and, you know, the score reflects that today, two clean sheets, uh, we could have scored more last week, same again today. Yeah, a couple of the boys played really well today. Who, who's your man of the match? Oh, man of the match, well, choose? obviously Dale, you know, he scored so many. Uh, he was fantastic, unplayable at times. And it's hard to go past Dale. Uh, Brad Ness, who uh, I'm going to get loads of stick for saying this because they call him the gaffer's son. I just thought he was all <laughs> over the back of the park. You know, he was a great insurance policy, he made a lot of good decisions and he swept really well. So, as a goalkeeper and a former goalkeeper, even, <laughs> uh, I love keeping clean sheets and I think we've got a clean sheet because of a lot of good play. But Brad was always there, so I would say the man of the match for me today is Brad. It's harsh on Dale, but <laughs> Chris was talking to Tayport FC's Charlotte Cohen. Well, what about that, Gordon? Four goals and not a man of the match award. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's an interesting one. He's obviously going with the the goalies union in the back four, isn't he? But I I think the the lad that's got four will nobody nobody let them forget that one, Harry. My name's Chris Jane and I'm the Cowan Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Gordon, uh, who was your idol as a boy? Um, that's an easy one. Uh, so I think we touched on it starting with Man United fan. Eric Cantona was he was he was a man, you know, when I was when I was quite young, you know, he was sort of when I was playing early boys club football and uh, just got in between the south and stuff. You know, number seven was a big thing for me, and you know it still is. Of you know, get number seven in my number plate and things like that. So like <laughs> that that became you know my lucky number, and it was all about it was all about Eric Cantona. He was just I just I just loved his his persona, and you know almost sort of bordering on arrogance, just the way he held himself in the pitch and stuff. Tried to sort of copy wee bits and pieces with how he how he sort of did things and that. So you your colour up uh, going to training. Uh, well, I used to actually say to my boys' club team, you know, when they're getting new strips, you need to get ones with a collar and all that, you know. So, I uh, it was it was that sad. <laughs> who's uh, who's the toughest opponent you faced? Um, toughest opponent, probably probably a few at different times in my career. Um, coming through at Queen of South, uh, came up against Darren Fletcher. Uh, both as we were playing centre mid, he was he was playing for Rangers. He played a game for Rangers. I don't know if he signed or it was a trialist or what. Um, and I think they beat a six-one. So I'm playing centre mid directly against them, and uh, they beat a six-one. He scored five, and he was just out of this world. He was that tall, skinny boy, um, and I was similar, and I just just couldn't get near him. Um, Did they manage then, the man of the match award to the defender that day? <laughs> I hope they gave it to him. <laughs> Um, but and then go, going further on, probably I made my my senior debut at, 
um, against Paddock Thistle um, for Hill. And uh, like I say, it was, it was my first game in senior football and I was marking Simon Donnelly. And that was just a, it was probably it was just a lesson in movement. And I was just like, we actually won the game. It was well been over. We put them at the cup that night. It was a huge result for us at the time. So I never slept that night, you know, just absolute buzzing. But we beat, I think we beat them 2-1. So it was, it was a huge result for the club. But I remember just going home and like, I was I was speaking to my dad and I was like, that's, a, that's another level, like the movement. Um, didn't know where it was at times, but you know we got through it and we got through it and we, we got the win. So, um, and then probably last one later on uh, was a again a league cup tie with against Hamilton, and I was I got asked to man Mark James McCarthy. Um, he was eighteen. He was eighteen year old at the time, and obviously I'm relatively experienced player by then and the uh, manager said I'd go in there and just Mark McCarthy uh, just sort of go where he goes one of those, those ones and I, I honestly I can't describe to you how far off I was him at times like, he was he was picking the ball up and I could hear I could hear the gaffer screaming at me and I'm looking going like that like do you want to try you know do you want to try and get near him like, it, it was so difficult his, his movement his his speed of thought with the ball, he was one and two touch, and and genuinely, you know, I, I would think I was tight with him at times, and then he would go on the ball, and I'm looking, going, he's like ten yards off me here, and he's he's lifted his head, and he's put somebody in behind, and I'm getting bought. So, forty five minutes that lasted, um, <laughs> and I, I got um, I got put back to right back second half, and somebody else went in to do that job. So, aye, that that would probably be probably be a three, I would say. Good answer. Um, what's the favourite football top you've worn and why? Um, I'm going to go with the the Bankies black Adidas one. Um, it was black and red Adidas. I think it was. I think it was twelve thirteen season. Um, so it was it was black black with sort of red trim, red shorts, red socks. I just I just liked wearing that. Similar to what I was saying earlier about um, you know, when you get the best of kit and you, you feel a part in that, it just you just felt good in that that strip and that was probably one I liked. Who's the best player you've played with? Um that's a tough one as well. Um probably one I need to mention be um Chris Jardin. Uh I played with Annan. So he was he was club yeah. captain at Annan. Uh, for over old, old guy who's sort of ready blonde hair aye, aye yeah. quite quite uh, short sort of fair hair yeah um, aye central midfielder just you know yeah. type of player who would just take the ball in any situation keep it ticking he was he was a heartbeat of our team for my whole time there um, and at the time I played in the right um, Gary played in the left and, and Jardy would just find you he would, you know you just you just you knew if you make a run he was just going to put it on the end it was just his range of passing and he, he couldn't Jaddy couldn't really and he would tell himself when he fast you know he, he was fit he could get about the pitch but he wasn't fast didn't he have a yeah. sharpness he was just but and he, and he was one of those players you always looked at and you just thought he's got time on the ball like how's he got that time and just just a really a really good footballer and like who, he's, he's who was uh, the Centre half, uh, was it Swinglehurst? Uh, was it Peter somebody? Sort of fairish hair. Ah, uh, Peter Watson, yeah. 
I always thought he was a really, really good centre half. Aye, but Big Peter just a big, a big solid defender. You know, he knew, yeah. knew what his knew what his role was, knew what his job was. Nothing fancy. Just he knew that he knew every game that he was just going to give you the same. But certainly when I was, I was involved. I always thought he was. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Another probably another another couple to mention would probably be. Playing directly next to um, Kieran Donnelly, Albion Rovers was very, very good. Um, just both feet for a centre back, you know, that was, it was that was good to see. Just both feet could excellent in there and could play. You know, he, he liked to drop off and play. He was very good. Um, probably for a for a single season, um, Darren McKinnon at Clydebank was just unstoppable. Um, the season he, you know, he obviously got his move at the end to Hamilton Ackies. Nobody could stop him. You know, his team was just coming. He was, he was winning games at times. I don't want to say single-handed because we had a right good team, but he was the one doing the damage. You know, it was, I remember a game at Lags. I think he scored four. Um, we played Irvine Meadow at Home Park on a, a week night, uh, and. They were they were a right good team at the time, and, and it was I thought this will be a test because we were on a right good run at the time with Clydebank, um, and there was a lot of chat in the evening times and that that this will be a real test of you know how far they've came and etc. And I think he scored a hatchet one three now. He was just uh, he was tremendous. You could you could see why he got got his move after that. So uh, those are probably ones that would come to mind. And what's the best practical joke you've seen? Um, you know. Changing rooms are just disgusting at times. Um, as a, there's, there's a lot I couldn't couldn't say, but do, do you know what? I'm quite I'm quite old school with you know I just like the old uh, practical jokes. So like uh, I love the you know the shower gel one where just continually topping up the boy next to you with shower gel and he's scrubbing scrubbing. You know again this was Annan days. It was just constant with all this sort of stuff. But no, I saw um, I saw one at Annan with. Um, one of my teammates, uh, Stan Stan Leslie, who actually he passed away unfortunately while while I was playing for Ann and he, he had a, a brain hemorrhage at thirty one. He was a really good friend. Um but he was he was like the main guy in the changing room. Like he just ran the show in the changing room. And a hilarious guy and he'd he'd done uh, we're in a away game. So you know what it's like you get off the bus, everybody's you know, it's like a race for the boys to get in first to use the toilet. Sometimes you've not got a row of three, you know, it's maybe just like one single toilet and stuff. So we'd, we'd been a bus journey for Annan up to, I think it was Edinburgh. Can't remember who we were playing, it was Cold Stream or something. And then um, Stan Jaffed off the bus and done the cling film, cling film over the toilet seat. And uh, I think the a man at a gaff at the time, Davy Irons, has rushed in to use it first. And uh, unfortunately, just went for a pee, do you know what I mean? But obviously, sprayed back on himself when uh, the office even came in, Stan's just rolling about the floor, you know. So, <laughs> things like that, you know, just, just old school, stupid pranks. That's, that's the sort of stuff I love in changing rooms. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast Bayern Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Over to you, Des. Can we have those clues again? Yeah, so founded in 1883 and had a fan buyout in 2005. Their highest league position was third in 1922 behind the Old Firm. They have got an 8,867 all-seater stadium and ex-Scotland manager Craig Levine was a boyhood fan, allegedly. I'm struggling, to be honest. Um, I think it might be Sterling. 
afraid not, Gareth. Is it not? No. If I said that an ex-Scotland international started his career there before moving to Hearts, Wolves, Coventry and MK Dons. And then there's a final clue that will give it all away. They won the Scottish League Cup in 1994 against Celtic on penalties. Oh, Wraith Rovers. Wraith Rovers. Wraith Rovers. Ah, of course. Wouldn't I got that? No, I don't think I would have. It was a stadium was throwing me off the 8,800. That was throwing me off a wee bit. And bear in mind, they can't use one of the stands because of their train station, train mm-hmm. line. Ah, right. Ah, right, OK. It was the fan buyout when I thought I thought Sterling was the first to get the fan buyout, but I forgot Wraith had, had one as well. Gordon, thanks for thanks for joining us, uh, especially on a night when uh, Man U are getting uh, pumped by the looks. Two one down, I think. Uh, you've kept you've kept your emotions in check. Yeah, uh, like I say, stepped away from it. Stepped away from it. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks for coming on. All the best for for the rest of the season, obviously, and hope you you manage to to keep it keep it going. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Best Morphin, hope to see you at some point next season. Cheers, Des, thank you. Des, uh, really appreciate you stepping in for Paul as well. Uh, guess it's up to him to prove himself all over again now, isn't it? You know? Not a set, surely. You're, you're only as good as your last performance, so uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> all right, big, big call to make. Uh, don't forget, you can get in touch with uh, with comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or uh, if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show, our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's thundedivisions at gmail.com or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.